Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to Episode 2. In today's episode, Mark is going to talk about all the current trends in telehealth telemedicine as it stands right now. So, Mark, take it away. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Today we're going to revisit telemedicine and telehealth in the COVID crisis. CMS has made a number of changes over the past two weeks, initially with some announcements provided with a fact sheet, then a few clarifications throughout the week, and then finally, on March 30th, they released the interim final rule with what we feel are at least the guidelines that we can kind of settle around, at least for the near term. We do expect that they'll offer a few different options to review some of the specific problems they run up against. But essentially, this is where we sit today and where you should bill. I am going to reference a little bit about the information that we had provided on our website previously uh, and through previous webinars that I've done uh, for other groups, including Medtronic, uh, that were based on the older information. Now, remember, I mean, this, this information is current as of today. Um, we do expect it to be relatively stable, but the reality is this is a very fluid situation and things are being adapted quickly to meet the needs of patients under COVID. Now, I'm really going to speak mainly about Medicare because they were the ones that just issued the changes. I will briefly reference some of the information we have relative to private payers, but understand that the private payers have not really had any time to react to some of the changes that just came out from CMS. So first up, let's talk about office visits. Um, Actually, first up, let's talk about the different issues we're dealing with. Now, uh, the first is going to be telemedicine. Now, this is the use of both uh, audio and visual for a synchronous data visit with a patient. Medicare has originally uh, had a few issues here that they were a little bit uh, looser on, but they are, I think, kind of uh, congealing around some specific rules and regulations relative to telemedicine. So again, Telemedicine for us are going to be those visits that are synchronous audio and visual, remote visits with the patient. Telehealth are visits that are actually conducted in with asynchronous video or data and audio. Um, these can be done through telecommunication platforms like a patient portal or secure email uh, or over a telephone uh, with pictures or data sent to you separately. Uh, so those are kind of the two separate visits and how I'm going to refer to those. should also know that we are going to talk about the rules and regulations that are in effect through the uh, public health uh, emergency or the PHE. Uh, so Medicare may change these rules after the public health emergency has uh, lapsed and we'll be watching for that. But right now we see this probably in place at least through the end of April, um, if not longer. Uh, and then uh, the other thing that we kind of want to reference uh, across the board in our discussions is the Stafford Act, which is actually 
the the way the president and the Secretary of Health and Human Services have been able to issue these rules to kind of add to or circumvent some of the hard and fast rules that Medicare has in place. First, I want to talk about telemedicine visits. So those visits that use synchronous audio and visual information for remote interactions with patients. These are going to be billed using standard office visit codes, your 99201 through 205 for new patient visits. Uh, Medicare specifically uh, okayed the use of remote visits for new patients during the PHE. Normally, this is not allowed unless the patient is in a qualified Medicare facility. Again, that has been uh, released at this point in time, so you can use new patient visits for uh, the PH or during the PHE. Uh, and then there are, of course, the established patient visits, the 99212 through 99215. Those are going to be the main or the bulk of the visits that you can do or will do in telemedicine. There are other options available to you, uh, including using uh, audiovisual to, to remote in for treatment of patients uh, in the hospital setting, the emergency department, using, again, the standard codes that you would normally use in face-to-face settings. One of the changes that just came out is that they are going to uh, accelerate at least a portion of the new evaluation and management proposed rules for 2021, uh, which means two different things. First of all, we are no longer required to record or select the level based on the physical exam and the history. Uh, You can go simply select the level by looking at the appropriately documented medical decision-making or time. And time is allowed to be reported based on the full time spent during the day surrounding that particular visit. So you're no longer required to just do the face-to-face time, uh, nor are you required to have 50% of the encounter in counseling or coordination of care. You can simply count the time that is documented in the record that you spent with that patient's visit on that date. They have allowed for physicians to report office-based services done remotely, even if the physician is not located in the office. Uh, It doesn't really matter where the patient is located, nor is it important where the physician is located. One of the things that they clarified recently is that they would like for you to use the place of service 11 or office for those circumstances in which you would normally be conducting that visit in an office setting, again, with audio and visual services for synchronous data. And you would use a modifier 95 then appended to the code that is selected, supported by your documentation in the electronic medical record uh, to report those services to Medicare. So place of service is where it would typically be. Office-based, use 11. If it's inpatient hospital, use 21. Uh, Now, you do have a little bit of leeway with some of those services built in the facility that you might be able to use the place of service of 02, but you definitely, for those services that are provided in the office or in the home setting, want to use the appropriate setting of 11 to allow you to get paid the non-facility rate. We think Medicare did this primarily to be able to very quickly gear up to pay things appropriately. Uh, Now, uh, when we look at uh, the 
platforms that you can use in order to conduct these visits. Typically, you would have to use a HIPAA-compliant platform, and there are a number of platforms that we can reference you to, and that will be included in the, the handout data that's included with the podcast when you download this. Uh, we have a number of folks using Doxyme, D-O-X-Y dot M-E, uh, and a number of folks who are using Chiron. Uh, other folks are using systems that are built into their electronic medical records. Those are all perfectly valid and HIPAA-compliant methodologies in which to conduct remote visits. Now, during the PHE, they have relaxed the HIPAA requirements for CMS to allow for the use of Skype uh, and FaceTime, things that are not HIPAA compliant, in order to meet the patient's need. And they have been very focused overall on really relaxing the rules to allow for you to see and care for patients, provide that continuity of care during the isolation event for the PHE. So, and all of this is what you're doing. Think about medical necessity as we've always instructed you, uh, but certainly uh, also look at what you're doing for the patient relative to their needs and, and their appropriate care. Now, one of the things that becomes a little bit difficult relative to remote visits is obtaining appropriate consents, especially for your new patients. Uh, now, CMS has relaxed this for your CMS patients, basically stating that if you are able to document a verbal consent, which is obtained during the encounter, uh, which can be obtained either just before the encounter by your office staff or by the physician during the encounter or by their support staff, uh, document that that uh, has been provided and also document uh, that the audio and visual communication has been established, and that is the means in which the visit has been conducted. Now, once the visit is over, you can actually get a signed consent form uh, that kind of blanketly governs, governs their consent through an entire year. So you can provide a service and get the written consent form later. If you have the capability of getting the information through your patient portal uh, relative to signed consents, uh, we recommend you go ahead and use that. Now, the other types of services that we can provide and, and really to fill in some of the holes are telehealth services that we're, we're going to refer to them as telehealth. These are, again, asynchronous uh, services. So uh, maybe it's telephone only uh, or you're providing services through telecommunication like your patient portal using secure email conversations back and forth. There are different sets of codes that are used for these services. Medicare has opened up the CPT codes 99441 through 99443, which are telephone-only visits, typically reserved for established patients only. Those can now also be billed for new patients and established patients and would be the appropriate codes to use if, in fact, you cannot establish a video connection with the patient uh, these 99441 through 43 codes are time-based codes, so all you need to document the time. And again, make sure that you can provide adequate care. Uh, you also have a virtual check-in visit, the G2012, uh, which is available to you for those very brief check-in calls between the physician uh, and the patient, uh, as well as uh, the code G2010. Uh, which is available to you if a patient sends you data or an image and you get back to the patient either via telephone or through the patient portal. 
for straight telecommunication visits, those done through the portal. The appropriate codes, the 99421 through 23 for physician interactions with the patient, uh, are also time-based and allow you to add up the services that are provided uh, over a seven-day period and bill the patient uh, or and report that service appropriately. Uh, the other codes that are available, the 98961 uh, series codes, uh, which are available for really nursing interactions with the patient over the telephone, or the G2061 through 63 series of codes, which are available for telecommunication visits done by your nursing staff. Uh, in addition to uh, being able to bill those, again, we're thinking those should be billed under pay, place of service 11. We've heard of a few people that have gotten rejections on those codes if they use the place of service 02. So that may be a, an issue, but you may have some payers that wish uh, that would like you to actually uh, report those services with the place of service 02. So you're going to have to watch those things as well. Now, generally speaking, I'm going to talk about co-pays uh, and, uh, and private payers as they interrelate to, to everything that's being done here. So again, place of service 11 and modifier 95 are used for Medicare. When you're billing private payers, there's a plethora of choices. And as per usual, they vary from payer to payer. You're going to want to check the payer websites. Uh, to really figure out exactly the appropriate method to report these services. Um, the typical payer websites are going to tell you certain things like report with place of service 02 and with a modifier 95, G2, or GQ. Some payers may ask you to use the 02 in addition to those modifiers. So again, pay attention to those payer websites and, and what they require. The last thing I want to cover today, um, uh, actually the second to the last thing I'd like to cover today are copayments. Medicare has basically said they are still going to expect that the patient portion, the copayment, if due, is paid by the patient. However, uh, unlike during non-PHE uh, time, they are not going to require you to collect that copayment. In short, you are able to waive those copayments if you feel appropriate. A lot of your private payers uh, are going to actually allow you uh, to uh, waive the copay, and they waive the copay a little bit differently in that the patient is not going to have to pay. They are going to pay you the full allowed amount. Uh, different states have different rules. Different payers have different rules. Uh, there are a couple of payers still out there that are requiring you to collect the copay uh, or that the payer is actually going to bill the copay uh, for you. So uh, there's a number of different uh, actions and avenues that, that have taken place, and you do want to take uh, care to notice what is happening within the payer uh, that you're billing. Finally, I wanted to address the issue of incident two services. Um, it's not inconceivable that a physician uh, could, uh, due to a pre existing condition or based on an infection of, of themselves, may not be able to go into the office to treat their patients. If you are able to establish an audio-visual communication link with your patients, obviously you can bill them directly under the, the telehealth or telemedicine visits. Um, if you are able to establish an audio-visual link with your office, you should also be able to provide services that are appropriate, maybe like injections, uh, 
if you are able to audio and visual supervise your staff so that they are allowing essentially remote incident two services. We'd like to thank you for attending today's webinar uh, and uh, encourage you to go to prsnetwork.com, sign up for our subscriber list and the Q&A page uh, to share information you learn about billing different payers based on your location uh, and to share your experiences as to how you're operationalizing these uh, issues. And of course, if you have any questions, you're able to contact us directly through that site or post your question in the uh, PRS Network group uh, to get answered by the community. It's going to take a village to get through this. Uh, we appreciate everyone that's out there and have been very impressed with everybody's mobilization so quickly to take care of their patients in this very difficult time. Thank you. Thanks, Mark, for that great information. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Uh, next episode we have, we're going to talk more about some of the issues facing the urology practice during this crisis. Um, once again, you can go to our website to check out the information we talked about today. That's prsnetwork.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode number two. Uh, special thanks to Carl Painter for the music for this episode. You can find his music under his record label, The Juicery, with extra pulp and special guests. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next time.